Hi, everybody. Art Barter with the Servant Leadership Institute. Welcome to our podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Brett Schausenbach. He is the CEO of the Chamber here in Carlsbad, California, and really thrilled to have him with us, a great servant leader. So, Brett, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Art. I'm really excited to chat today and spend some time. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you here. So, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the president and CEO of the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce. I've been in the chamber industry for, uh, this is my 12th year. And previous to this, I spent 10 years at the Vista Chamber of Commerce. And I'm now just in my second here in Carlsbad. And before that, I was in the real estate industry for a number of years, the computer software industry before that, and live right here in the area. Yeah, love it. And your family? This summer, my wife and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Hard to believe, but um, we have uh, six children, uh, four of which are young adults, and then one in high school, one in middle school. COVID's made it a lot of fun. We've been, uh, (laughs) uh, for the most part, most of us are cooped up here in this one house, but, um, but it's been actually, in a lot of ways, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly been different, hasn't it? Yeah. I take my hat off to you with six kids. I only had two. So uh, yeah, yeah. They simultaneously um, give you life and drive you to the grave at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I know the feeling. Have you had a daughter go through high school yet? Yes. My oldest daughter, she was um, quite an interesting case study. She graduated high school and a week later, no, she turned 18, a week later, graduated high school and a month later got married. Wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So she and her husband have been almost uh, this summer will be two year, their two year anniversary. And they're now expecting their first baby. We're super excited about and we'll be grandparents for the first time. Congratulations. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So Brett, tell us a little bit about your role running a chamber. I first got involved in the chamber of commerce world when I was in real estate and I, I joined my local chamber, which was in Vista where Daytron's located. And I, you know, got involved. I, I joined a committee and eventually got invited to be participate in the board of directors. And then the gentleman who was running the chamber at the time, he and his wife, they were from Michigan. They decided they wanted to move back to Michigan and get ready for retirement. And so he left and um, he kind of encouraged me to consider the, the, um, the chamber industry. And at the time, real estate was not very much fun. This is back in 2008. The economy was in the tank and, you know, selling homes in San Diego was not fun. So I did. I threw my hat in the ring and I kind of switched from being a board member, which is a volunteer position, of course, to being a staff member. But what I found, I, I fell in love with it because what I found was that the chamber was kind of a hub or a kind of like an intersection for the whole community. You know, the chamber, we interface with the business community, of course, but also with education, with public safety, local government, and the nonprofit community. And they kind of mm-hmm. all come together and convene in and through us. And then our goal, of course, is to go and make an impact in all those areas as well. And so I really fell in love with it. And rarely are two days the same. Um, there's a lot of diversity in what uh, we do. And I mean, I know we'll probably touch on this with COVID, but um, that kind of diversity that's come up because of COVID has been on steroids now. And, um, but I, I really enjoy it. Well, that's cool. Um, what are some of the things you did 
while you were the CEO of the Vista Chamber of Commerce that you really, really float your boat or really got you excited about, about accomplishing? Well, there's, there was a couple of, uh, in particular, that I had a major part in while I was there in Vista. I mean, there's a lot of little things, but one of the programs we created was called our Heroes of Vista. And what I liked about Heroes of Vista, there's a, I mean, a lot of chambers have their awards and their award shows and things like that, but we made a true community-wide award program that didn't just focus on like small business of the year and large business of the year, but we had education awards. We had firefighter of the year, you know, police officer of the year, um, you know, lifetime achievement awards. And so it really encapsulated everything that made the community thrive. Right. I was involved in creating that event. And then we kept ratcheting that event up and up and up. And um, I just, my wife would say, you know, because we obviously attend a lot of different galas and events. And, and she would tell me every year, she's that is my favorite event that we go to every year. Just it was just such a celebration of all that was positive in the community. So I, I really love that event and being a part of it. Rising Star of the Month was a program that I brought to my previous chamber and my current chamber, both. And the Rising Star of the Month is a program focused on high school seniors. And something I like from coming from a chamber perspective, it wasn't something just about, oh, here's these kids who are getting, you know, like a 5.2 million grade point average, you know? Right, yep, uh-huh. Instead, it was kids who um, had overcome some challenges and had got their education back on track or had somehow kept their education on track despite of their challenges. And we would honor one high school senior from every high school in our area at a breakfast each month. And then at the end of the school year, those kids who had been honored were eligible to apply for a scholarship and, and then we would give scholarships away. And it was, the stories were so impactful and, and it was such a community celebration to come and champion these kiddos who had, you know, got themselves back on track or who had kept themselves on track and then to be able to give scholarships. So during my time in Vista, five years I got to oversee that program and we gave away over $50,000 in scholarships in five years, which was awesome. And right now we're just finishing our first um, school year in Carlsbad that we had the Rising Star program. And so we're, we're finalizing scholarships as we speak. So I'm super excited. I love that program. That's cool. Yeah, it is a great program. Brett invited me to participate in that. And we give every student a signed copy of Farmer Able. And the stories I get back in handwritten cards from the kids. I just got one like three months ago that said, I love Farmer Able. It's changed my life. and I'm going, this is a high school student. I wish I was that together when I was that age, right? Yeah, I'm with you there. The stories really make it worth it. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is wonderful. And we really appreciate you guys participating on that level because it's so meaningful. Like here, you know, here you are, somebody who's invested your whole life in helping form leaders. And yet you take the time to share with these young people. Um, it's very impactful for their lives. And, and I'm gratified to hear the feedback you're receiving because I actually hadn't heard that part before. I love getting the little cards and I save everything. I have a file that I've shared with our listeners. That I have a file called Why I Do What I Do. And those are the cards, they go in there, they go in that file. So when yeah. I'm having a tough time, I'll just pull a few things out of there and remind myself why I do what I do. Yeah. That's awesome. One of the things that I love about that program, and I'll get off this topic, there's a lot of kids who are, you know, first generation immigrant here from a variety of different countries, you know, 
Um, there's, there's kids whose parents have been in jail or, you know, have died, or there's kids who have been homeless. I mean, the stories are just, I mean, if you would have told me ahead of time, that's what we had encountered, I would have thought you were, you're fibbing, but wow, the stories we've heard are phenomenal. Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent there. Yep. Now you've moved from the Vista chamber. I think you said you've been with the Carlsbad chamber for two years, but I have a question for you first. You mentioned about dealing with all the different organizations within the, the city. In that role, when you're dealing with multiple organizations within the city, how often do you become the facilitator to, shall we say, settle some disagreements? Yes, well, that's a, that's a very big role that we play as an advocate. Um, and normally where that would come in would be a, a business who's having some challenge with city codes or city permits or something like that. And so we'll get in the middle and advocate and, and try to bring, you know, some reason. A lot of times we're advocating for the business, but sometimes we're helping the business to understand why a policy is the way it is. So it could go either way, depending on the situation, but we end up in that role quite a bit. And sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a fun role. It's sometimes it's a situation where somebody needs to know who's the right person to talk to, to help in the situation. And facilitating that is wonderful because you get to see results. Other times it's combative, but you know, we'll, we'll get involved either way. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love you did in Vista is some of the people that I think you called them the lifetime achievers and the heroes of Vista, you wouldn't just have them, you know, receive an award. You, you would actually bring people into the chamber office and record and provide a, I don't know, five minute video that would help let that individual know what they really meant to the community. Talk, talk a little bit about that process. With the people we would honor, we really wanted to showcase a, a well-rounded perspective on the impact that they had brought that led us to, to consider giving them a lifetime achievement award. So we would bring in people from, of course, like their, their job or their work, but a lot of times there were nonprofits that they had impacted in different ways and, and community members. And we would bring them all in and interview them and talk to them about the impact of this person. And, and then, like you mentioned, we would put that together in a video that we would showcase at the event. And then of course, you know, now with the wonders of technology, we would put out on YouTube and all our social media channels and to really highlight and honor this person for their incredible contribution to our community. And those were such gratifying moments to just be able to do that. And since you brought this up, thank you for bringing this up, but uh, very interesting. As you might imagine, folks who receive lifetime achievement awards have been contributing for years. So a lot of times, they're advanced in age. So sure enough, somebody that we honored about two years ago passed away about a year after we had honored him. And mm -hmm. it was so gratifying to me because his wife reached out and asked if they could show the video we made about him at our event at his funeral reception. Oh, and wow. Yeah. And it was like, absolutely. You know, that was, that was so neat that our video touched her that much that she wanted to show it. Right. That's cool. So you worked with Vista for 10 years, you're two years into Carlsbad. What's the difference between the two cities? What surprised you in the transition and, and, and what really kind of continued on from what you learned in Vista? Some of the things that continued on, because the, the two cities are, are neighbors to each other, a lot of the uh, you know, relationships that I had spent years forging you know, still carried over because of the proximity. And so that was great. And 
you know, when you're in an active chamber, you're involved in your region anyways. You're not just bound by your city. So that was wonderful to have so many um, people that I had forged great relationships with that were still in place when I came over and, and, and were great people that still have his contacts. So we have a saying in the chamber industry that if you've seen one chamber, you've seen one chamber. <laughs> the reason we say that is because every uh, chamber is different because the community that it serves is different. And so serving that community is going to take on a different look and feel. But that being said, obviously, there's some things that are common. I, I will say coming to Carlsbad, everything is just a bigger scale. You know, the, the city is bigger. The, the chamber is twice the size of the one I had in Vista. My staff is twice the size, our budget's twice, you know, so everything was just scaled up bigger on that side of it. But I did find a very engaged community. And luckily the groundwork had already been laid for a really good working relationship between the chamber and the city. When I actually took over the chamber in Vista, there had been um, some spots in the relationship between the chamber and the city. Mm -hmm. And so there, it took time to rebuild trust and you know the value of trust. Oh yeah, yep. And so I had to do that there. And a lot of that was already in place when I came to Carlsbad. Um, obviously I had, people had to get to know me, but um, I was able to leverage good rapport and a good reputation for what the chamber had done. But then I was able to take it in different directions too. Being a different leader than my predecessor, there's certain things that I value differently than he did. So I was forging new things as well, and um, which I love doing. Yeah. Now you followed someone who had been in that role for quite some time, right? Yes. What, uh, what kind of experience was that like? Yeah. So Ted Owen um, had been the CEO and president of the Carlsbad Chamber for 15 years and had a very positive, you know, successful tenure here. You know, it was interesting when, when I was going through the interview process, which was quite extensive, as you can imagine. Uh, um, yep. There was a panel of uh, 10 board members who I think I went through, you know, a written thing, but then two in-person interviews with the panel of 10 people. So that's, that can be quite daunting, 10 against one, so to speak. Yep. Uh -huh. But I told them uh, in the interview, and especially in the second interview, I said, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not going to come in. I'm not the type of person who's going to try to imitate the person who was here before me. I'm my own person. You know, I used a sports analogy. You know, it's very difficult when a, a Hall of Fame quarterback retires for the next quarterback to come in after that. Right. Yep. You know, very few people can think of the name of the quarterback who followed John Elway in Denver because, you know, John Elway was a Hall of Famer and the next several quarterbacks didn't do very well. But in Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers came in and put his own stamp on that team and his own success. And it's hard to even remember that he followed a Hall of Famer in Brett Favre. So I told them I was going to be their Aaron Rodgers. I was going to come in with my own style, my own way of leadership. I'm not going to try to imitate the guy before me, but I'm going to do my way and put my own stamp of success on it. And, you know, it must have caught their eye because they gave me the job and so that's my thing though I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be me I'm gonna stay true to who I am and to be honest I talked a lot about the servant leadership philosophy I have in the interview and um, you know it must have resonated with enough of them because here I am yeah yeah and that's what I love about Brad he's got a great servant's heart I've seen him in a lot of different areas and been part of some of the things he, he does and it's always very evident to me that you have a great heart 
Thank to you. help people. So what's your biggest challenge being a CEO of, of a large chamber like Carlsbad? The diversity of, of needs, the diversity of requests. There's so many, you know, different things that pop up and, you know, people join a chamber for a variety of reasons. And we too often fall into the trap of, you know, trying to please everybody. It's a chamber trap. I know it's a trap in life in general, but it's definitely a chamber trap. You want to please everybody because you want, you know, everybody to join. You want everybody to stay as members. And, and that's, that's hard. You know, you have to really focus on, you know, certain things that you're going to excel at and let that help attract people. Membership, it's, it's weird in the chamber industry because it's very easy to get caught in the trap of numbers. I want to, we want to have this many members. And so we're going to go after and we're going to get to this many but membership is really a trailing indicator of how well you're doing your job. Because if right. you're doing an excellent job of being a community leader, you're going to galvanize people to you and they're going to want to be a part of it. So we try not to fall into the trap of going after the numbers because that leads us into trying to serve way too many masters. And we want to be the community leader that's convening everybody to be an economic catalyst you know, we want to be a champion for our local community. And by taking a big leadership role, we want to draw people to us. Right, right. While you were talking, I was thinking about the First Friday events. Yes. Um, explain to our listeners what the Carlsbad Chamber and you do. Yeah, so they've had a long uh, tradition of a First Friday breakfast there at the Chamber. And it's a, it's a networking event that, you know, Chambers are somewhat known for in general. But what I love about it, two aspects of it. Uh, number one, we always bring in a great guest speaker who comes in and shares something, something about, it could be leadership, could be marketing, could be sales, you know, it could be, you know, any aspect of growing your business. The other thing I like about it is it's facilitated networking. So networking can be intimidating for people, a group of people you don't know, and you're right. supposed to be, you know, out there and, and getting to know people and building business, quote unquote, which is, it's just when you're new to a group, it's intimidating. So at first Friday breakfast, you know, you're assigned to a table and there's a facilitator. And so everybody gets a turn to share who they are, what they do, what they're looking for. And it just helps build that awareness and that comfort level. Cause you don't have to walk up to a perfect stranger and say, Hey, my name is this. And what do you do? And it's, you know, that's scary to people. So first Friday breakfast brings both of those together, facilitated networking and mm -hmm. phenomenal content. Right. It, it really is a great event. And I really like the networking because a lot of people, when they go to a networking social event, they'll end up in the corner because yeah. they're not comfortable going up and introducing themselves. They'll wait for somebody to come to them. Yeah. And so I think that's really great that you provide that service. So, And then sometimes uh, what people do, even though we know we're not supposed to, and I've done it too, I, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else, we'll gravitate towards the one or two people we already know because that's what's comfortable to us. Right. Yeah. It's like, wait, I was here to meet new people, but I'm, I'm sitting with people that, or I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with people that I know because that's what makes me feel okay. So the first Friday breakfast, it eases you into meeting new people and it just facilitates it. So I love that. This Friday is the first Friday of June. Uh, we just had it last week. Last week. Okay. Gotcha. Did you do it online? Did you do a zoom? Mm -hmm. We did. Yeah. Well, this is our, I want to say, I think it was our third one that we had had to switch over to Zoom. You know, thankfully with the, the technology out there, we were still able to do our two main focuses, which is small group networking. So with Zoom, you can break out and, and you probably already know this, but you can break out into, you know, groups. 
Right. We also had our, our um, guest speaker come and give presentations. So yeah, we were, we had to pivot, of course, like everybody's had to pivot in a lot of our programs, not just first Friday breakfast, but we've been able to keep going forward for our members. Yeah. How, how, you know, the COVID-19 has really turned things upside down. Yes. How fast did, did the chamber react to changing its business model to, to serve the community that you serve? Yeah, we reacted very quickly. And we had already been on a path of embracing uh, some technologies like, you know, doing this uh, podcast today. We had been on a path of, of going towards that direction before COVID arrived. But once COVID arrived, we had to fast track our learning curve on certain technologies to make resources available to our members. So what we, we focused on as soon as COVID hit was, was kind of a threefold approach for our members. One was to educate. We had to keep our members up to date as policies were changing from the state and the county. And number two, we had to educate them on what resources were available that were coming out of, you know, Washington, D.C. or Sacramento or wherever they were coming. Right, exactly. So we had to educate. The, the second thing we had to do is we had to promote our members who were still functioning. So restaurants was the classic example. You know, everything shut down. But then, you know, some of the restaurants, of course, were still doing takeout or, you know, Uber Eats or whatever the case was. So we, right. to, we wanted to keep promoting those who were doing that so that they were still having a steady stream of business. And then the third thing we wanted to still do was um, keep our members connected. Because even though we were all supposed to physically distance, we're social beings. We need to interact with human beings. And if we're all going to be you know, shut in our homes, we still need to be able to network and relate and encourage each other. So we pivoted to those three focus points um, over the last 90 days. And so we continue to pump out content, content, content via Zoom and and webinars and then networking via zoom and then keeping people up to date on the policy stuff yeah how has been the reaction from the membership on moving into the social media world especially with the different generations in carlsbad in general we people have adapted i think i think because we were forced into it at the same time you know Obviously, you meet some people who have like, oh, I've used Zoom for five years, but the majority of us became Zoom and online experts in the last 90 days. So, but because of that, I know I, I had to help my father. My father wanted to participate in a Zoom group. He lives up by Bakersfield and um, the Zoom group was down here in Oceanside. And so, uh, you know, I had to coach him over the phone on how to do it and stuff, but, you know, he embraced it and, and it's, what it's done, though, is interesting is because it's created new opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we found this at the chamber. For instance, each month we have a government meeting. Well, as you can imagine, normally we're not able to get our actual elected representatives to attend the monthly meeting because they're off in D.C. or they're off in Sacramento or wherever they are. They're busy people. But because they were just as confined as the rest of us, we saw an opportunity. And so we reached out to them and said, hey, could you participate in a Zoom meeting? Right, right. Unbelievable. I mean, we've had some of the best meetings because of this situation that we've ever had. And the attendance has been phenomenal. You know, normally we'd have a government relations meeting and, you know, maybe 30 people would show up, but we're getting 60 people on the Zoom. Yep, yep, exactly. We've looked for what opportunities has this created to see how can we maximize those instead of just being disappointed that we can't do what we've always done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
you know, we found the same thing. Uh, a lot of people will attend. I was telling a CEO group last week that I meet with every month that I think people will come to the Zoom meeting rather than a, a physical meeting because you can leave a Zoom meeting with a push of one button. Yep. Where if you have to get up in the in a in a large room of people and leave, you know, you got to do it in front of everybody that's there. We get more attendees because it's easier for them to manage your time. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the convenience of it is phenomenal. And we know, you know, some of them are putting it in the background while they're attending to other things on their computer. That's fine, they're, but they're still there. So that's, that's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now we've had two, you know, major challenges, events. We've had, of course, COVID-19. And then we've got people who uh, want to see change in our country, change in our cities. The chambers had to deal with those at the same time. Share a little bit about how you're balancing those two major events with everything that's gone on in Carlsbad. Yes, thanks for pointing that out because that has been an incredible challenge. First of all, the right to protest and to do that kind of thing is ingrained in our existence here as Americans and in the United States, and we support it wholeheartedly. When the protests were turning into riots, you know that was very concerning. You have a yep. lot of lot of small businesses who have been knocked down because of the coronavirus who are just trying to find their legs. And then some of them suffered, you know, unbelievable harm by riots here in San Diego County and I know other parts of the country. So that's something that we can't we can't do. We can't go to that level. But taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture of what's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I, I think what happened with George Floyd just brought to the surface that we're, we're just not there yet. I've said this before um, a couple times at different board meetings, uh, board retreats, that one of the things I love about the Chamber of Commerce, it does not matter to us what your age, your gender, your race, your religion, whether you're overweight or fit, you know, it, none of that matters. If you have a dream and you have the guts to step up and say, I want to put that dream into a reality. And you join our chamber, we're going to do everything we can to come shoulder to shoulder with you and help you make your dream come true. We don't care about any of those other factors, you know? Right, right. Um, and I love being a part of an organization like that. So we're in the process right now of putting together a webinar. We have several African-American business owners in our chamber and we're going to put a seminar together with them, like a panel discussion with them sharing what's their experience have been. Because I know as a white middle class American, you know, I have not walked in their shoes. I need to know more. Mm -hmm. I need to know what they've experienced. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been asked my responses exactly what you just said. I haven't walked in those shoes. Yeah. And it's a time for me to listen and be part of groups where I can learn and understand and get to the point where I can feel what others feel. And at that point, I can start to think about and reflect on what I'm hearing. And then how do I use my gifts to be part of improving our communities, improving the United States, and getting to the point where people work together. And, you know, it, it's an interesting time of reflection. Yeah. Because uh, we all have different stories of how we grew up. Yeah. Um, you know, the communities we were in and so it's a very interesting time. So thank you for being real open about that. You know, we were just talking just a second ago about the opportunities that arise because of the technology right now. And um, we're hoping to put something together for like 
next week. You know, we can yep. bring people in from work all over the place and they don't have to be in the same room. They can all be, you know, we can do it as a webinar format here on Zoom and the timeliness is very appropriate. So, you know, we, we think we have a key role in the community where we can help advocate for that voice that, um, that needs to be heard. And so I'm super excited about that. And so I hope within about another day or two that we'll be announcing um, how that's going to come about. We're also going to use our, we're going to use our print publication to um, share some of their stories as well. And we have a, a monthly print publication that has a huge circulation. And so yep. I want to bring those business owner stories from our minority community out because they had to take a different path than I had to take to get to where I am in business. And I, I want to know, I want to hear, and I want other people to know. So I'm excited. Right, right. You know, I worked at Disney, started in high school and worked through college there. And I had a gentleman I met, his name was Leo, and he was black. He and I worked in a wardrobe together. We had a blast together. Yeah. And I remember he took vacation and went home. He came back. He says, Art, you wouldn't believe what I went through. I said, what'd you go through? And he says, well, I walked into a store. And I don't re remember the name of the store, but he said, the manager came up to me and said, uh, son, you obviously aren't from down here. And uh, he said, no, I'm not. I'm from out of town. He says, well, down here, next time you come in the store, you come in the back door. Oh. Now, that was in the early 70s, Brad. Yeah. And he came back here. You know, he's from California where, yeah. you know, you don't have any of that stuff here. And uh, we've got other challenges, but he, he was still fuming about it when he got back and got, came back to work. Yeah, I don't blame him. And, you know, I listened to him tell me how he felt. And that conversation has come back to my mind in the last three or four weeks yeah part of my reflection so let's let's finish up with some ideas on COVID-19 because that's I can only imagine you've dealt with some frustration there with businesses but yeah we're, we're coming out of it a little bit got our beaches open and our, our our parking along the the Carlsbad strip which was packed yesterday so I'm thrilled about that yeah parking lots at the beaches are finally open which is great the challenge that we've seen with COVID-19 with our small business community is um, kind of a twofold thing. Number one, when, when it first hit and we had to close a lot of things, we saw a lot of like boutique style retail shops and um, smaller restaurants that never really delved into e-commerce in a significant way, you know, have to immediately pivot and, and try to stand up some form of e-commerce so that they could... Mm -hmm in their mind, survive. And then, of course, the other thing, the panic was to get financial assistance. And both of those are understandable um, reactions, knee-jerk reactions. But now that this is elongated as long as it has, what we've realized is you have to get much more strategic than just that. If you've been a successful business, uh, some kind of storefront, whether that's a restaurant, whether that's retail, whatever, you have to think strategically, how are you going to recreate your special sauce, so to speak, in an online world? Right. Yep. Just have a place where people order. Likewise, as you start to reopen, how can you convey confidence to the consumer who's starting to come back that your place is a safe, great place to come in and continue to shop? so that you can recover you know, your customer base. Because what's become clear is that in 2020, there's not gonna be a return to business that we knew in 2019. Right, yep. The only way to get to 
2021, when maybe we have a vaccine and an immunization and, and, and then business maybe can return to what we knew in 2019, the only way to get there is you got to be strategic now. Right. So we're trying to help our businesses think through this and not just go with the knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, I have a website now, I should be fine. Or, you know, my door's open, that's it, you know. There's, there's just a lot, it's a lot more complex than that. So we're constantly putting out content to try and help process this strategy, you know, session, you know. What does reopening look like? How are you conveying what you've done? You know, what strategies are you putting in place to take yours to another level to distinguish yourself? Business is competitive, as you know, and we, we have to be able to do that. Yeah, you know, the ice cream place that's in downtown Carlsbad? Yeah, the Handles? Yeah, the Handles. They have a great business model because you can't go inside. Yeah. Almost every day, every weekend, there were lines outside there through uh, COVID-19 because it's all pickup. It's all, you know, go up the window, order, and... I went, if I was going to get into a business, it would be something like that. You're right. They were a little more immune to it because they were already a pickup business, you know, and uh, I'm sure they had some reductions in sales and, you know, right. but, uh, nothing fatal, which is the good news. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Brett, uh, we're going to wrap up here. Just a word or two of advice for the leaders that are listening to us today. Um, flexible, adaptable. You know, we're all we're facing a world of change. Um, we we have to constantly look at you know how we conduct ourselves, our own business, our relationships, and be willing to adapt those and change those to to what the needs are, what the situation is. I know the, the word of the year seems to be pivot, but it's, it's an important word. And I know for our members, they've had to pivot. We've had to pivot, but he's just got to do it. But, you know, you're such a great leader and, and you've been teaching leadership for so long. These are just opportunities. That's right. They're challenges, but it's really forcing us to look at our business model. Yep. And forcing us to look at things we wouldn't normally look at. So... Brett, I appreciate you being with us today. As always, you've added a lot of value to us, and we appreciate that. I enjoyed the conversation, as always, and I appreciate your guys' place in the community through Daytron and the Servant Leadership Institute and all that you guys bring, and we're blessed to have you here locally. All right, everybody. Brett, CEO of the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce. Brett, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Art. All right, everybody, look forward to the next podcast. We'll be coming up with that probably in another week or so. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye.